Welcome back to the Boys Cast with Ryan Long, the first podcast exclusively for the boys. Got a pretty badass guest today, James Lindsay. So this guy's one of the coolest guys. He, he, they made the grievance study affair um, four years ago or three years ago. And basically, if you haven't watched it, you should check it out. It's really cool. It's this big documentary where they essentially, there's also a seven-minute version that just kind of summarizes it and it's super funny. And you can even watch the seven-minute version if you want to before the podcast. But basically what happens is they got all these... Um, these papers and studies published by universities and peer reviewed to sort of expose, you know, this grievance study stuff. That's all just sort of a load of, a load of shit. And a lot of people sent that to me when it first came out and it was kind of going around in my circle of friends. And then he's done Rogan a bunch of times. And I messaged him on Twitter being like, Hey dude, you know, big fan. If you want to ever do the boys cast. And he, t- he messaged back being like, I just uh, shared some of your videos. So he ended up like kind of knowing all the stuff I was doing. So that boys cast is taken off. Thanks to the dogs. So if you do want to support the boys cast, you know, either just do a review on iTunes, share one of the videos on YouTube, a lot of easy ways you can kind of do it or the patreon.com slash the boys cast. And I have another this. These all come out early. Plus, I have another uh, podcast coming out uh, Monday on the Patreon. So there's been a cool run so far. I'm getting some of these cool guests on that I've been kind of following for years and everyone sharing the videos and all that stuff's been helping a ton. So I appreciate everyone. And because of that, now we can get these cool guests on. And I've even did two podcasts last last week and then two this week, including the Patreon. So we're up in production. Things are getting real out here exclusively for the boys. All right. Without further ado, once again, this is the boys guest and my conversation with James Lindsay. It's really kind of funny because I work with these conservative guys and the conservative guys are like, they look girly. We can't use them. <laughs> like, People love them. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's like there are women in the world. So you're saying that you're working with some of these conservative guys and they said that your uh, woke minis that you're putting up on Twitter aren't, aren't manly enough. Yeah, it's funny. It's like, we, come we, on, guys. Can we get an eagle on that bad boy? Yeah, put it, put it in a circle. Oh, wait. Oh, God, we can't put it in a circle. That would be the end of the world. Because I, I actually watched your uh, do- the Grievance Studies doc yesterday again, which was like one of the funniest fucking things in the world. You said one of the things you're dealing with is when you had all this success and this thing takes off, it's the kind of the right-wing publications that are, they're the only ones that kind of want to work with you. Oh my God. It's not even a huge problem, just a huge problem. It's also a strategy. It's like the nasty, nastiest strategy ever. So nobody on the left invites you to talk about it at all, about yeah. whatever it is anything like even like really centrist left leaning stuff more or less won't touch it so then you end up getting invited to a bunch of right-wing stuff and they you know half of them are reasonable and half of them just want to spike the football and say crazy stuff and so they bring you on libtards yeah exactly and so so you go on and then like we got invited to like 500 right-wing things and like 10 left-wing things and so then all of a sudden the the left is like look at all this right-wing stuff they're going on they're tools for the right and it's like, okay, that's crap. Um, it, we would have been tools for the left if you tools would have had us on. And then that doesn't happen though. So then I found out later, like, it, it's like, this is nasty. You know, I was thinking at the time in my innocence and as a sweet summer child back in 2018, I was like, this is a nasty <laughs> organic thing that's happening. No, it's not. They do it on purpose. 
there I've seen leaked things, not specifically about us, but about other people that are like, we're going to completely bury these guys. We're going to force them to go on right wing media. And the second they start showing up on Tucker Carlson, bam, tool for the right. And they're discredited. Yeah. It's like, holy crap, it's an intentional strategy. It's like, what is this world we live in right now where everything is so insanely divided and like in a hurry to divide itself further and then to use the division that it's manufacturing on purpose to to divide things even further than that. It's this is not a good a good scene. I get it the other way around where people are like, oh, you only like you seem to be only associating with those people. And I go, listen. I, the same way that you weren't some right wing guy. I like troublemakers. I like people that are disruptive and you can't be disruptive in like a religious, you know, architecture. No. It's like if they're like, oh, you want to have bad boys on your show? Well, then why didn't you get the, the church bad boy? They've got a few bad boys. And you're like, <laughs> well, they don't, though. So it's it's very hard to be it's be hard, hard to dissent on that side. So you kind of naturally the people that are doing anything that's out of the grain or out of the box kind of end up over there, whether they were that or not. You know, yeah. some of it's unrelated to politics. It's some weird, um, there's like this weird gravity or something. I kept trying to think of a way that it'll, to describe it in terms of like getting pulled in, in directions. And then you get loved, love bombed when you go the way that people want you to go. And, and you, it's so hard to just be your damn self with anybody yeah. anymore. It's like you've got to now, like you get up there. I mean, I watched Jordan Peterson's lecture where he's saying like, how did the Nazis happen? You know, I can actually do a Jordan Peterson impression, but maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> um so he's like he's like how did nazis happen how did this arise out of nothing you know Pretty and so yeah, he's like he's like hitler went up there and he gave his speeches and some stuff was duds and other stuff worked and the stuff that worked he did more of that and his audience led him into a genocidal maniac you know so you get this yeah. idea though that if you lean into this like kind of audience you get rewarded for saying certain things you get all these twitter likes you know these retweets and People send you all these messages that are like cool or whatever. And so, but then if you say the wrong thing, you just get nuked. So it's like there's this gravity that's pushing people to the edges because yeah, uh, that's takes a who's, lot more. Yeah, it takes a lot that, more discipline to not be on the edges than to sometimes people are like, oh, you're being a pussy. And it's like, the truth is you're the one being a pussy by getting radicalized that quickly by any movement. Yeah, seriously. It's like, I keep finding myself like people are like, what do we do? And I'm like, grow a spine. It's just like, Find out who you are, be who you are, and be comfortable in who you are and not go into the social pressure like, oh, idiots on the internet called me bad names. So now I have to change who I am. Like, what right. are you talking about? <laughs> it's like probably like, you know, what was it? 400 pound guy in his mom's basement that has like seven sock accounts that's blasting your, blasting your life. Or, I mean, I would say it's Russian and Chinese trolls, but you can tell the Chinese ones because their English isn't that good yet. Right. And, you know, it's really <laughs> awkward. <laughs> Why do you? I can't why, tell them. I can't tell any of them apart. I'm talking about trolls, not Chinese people. You just assume they're all trolls. That's what you just do. Is because why wouldn't they be? Or like I'm at like okay, so I can already tell you're this kind of guy because I was this kind of guy, and we relate immediately. Um, when I was 15, if I had the ability to make like a Twitter account with some like black woman's face on it and just yeah. go blow people up <laughs> and ruin their day i would have done it all day long yeah and i would have been laughing like that guy who on 4chan who came up with the okay symbol being white supremacy <laughs> like and now people are getting fired from their jobs and they're like they took it out of the game call of duty in case somebody's playing call of duty and realizes that you know it's somehow racist to play a video game and then they 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 did this and it's like if i was the guy who came up with that probably like a 15 year old kid or something I would be laughing for the rest of my life. Yeah, and it's you like get it. that we're we're actually letting trolls 
dictate everything because somehow we're too stupid as a society to realize that the internet is full of people who aren't being genuine and that are screwing with us because it's fun and funny and profitable for them to do so. We legit, yeah, me and my friends used to make fake profiles and like mess with people all the of time. Course. If you can, of course. If you, yeah, imagine you add, added all this nonsense into the mix. We oh, it's so easy. Small. Like this nonsense is the most open door to sociopaths and grifters and just trolls that you could possibly imagine because it's all like lived experience and you hurt my feelings and it's like, you can't be wrong. So it's just like, that's white fragility. And it's like, how is it white fragility? You asking me how it's white fragility is white fragility. <laughs> and it's, it's like, it's just so easy. And, and all you have to do is like pretend that you have some kind of, like you don't even have to actually be say a black person. You could just be a white person pretending to be a black person on social media and nobody knows. Sean King. Yeah, exactly. And then all you have to do is like cry about your oppression all the time. And you're making it up like you're probably in your parents like $500,000 house in the basement laughing your head off with all of your cool gear. And then the, I mean, there's this article in the Atlantic that nailed it a couple of years ago before they went completely off the rails too. And it said the problem isn't Twitter, it's that we take Twitter seriously. And this seems right. to have increased, not decreased. Um, but it's, it's full of people who just want to jerk our chains, whether that's, you know, malevolently motivated or because they're just <laughs> turds who have a twisted sense of humor. Which is kind of, uh, you know, when we're talking about, because there's so many people who send me your stuff. When, when you when that original, like the seven minute version of your, your doc went around, I had like yeah. five people sending it to me. And, and if, over the years, people have kind of sent me your stuff and be like, yo, this guy kind of came to the same conclusion that you came on a few things, like stuff yeah. like that. So I, thought, I always thought your stuff was super badass. But one of the reasons why you were able to do that, and I mean, like, you know, you made this stuff, penises are a social construct and raping the dog parks and all that stuff, which is kind of, I was making fun of some of these Vice articles that weren't that different from them. Like I've made videos making fun of these video, these articles that were very similar to the ones you're actually making. And one of the reasons is you're able to do that is because exactly what you're saying, that people take this stuff so seriously. Like I would say, tell me what you think about my theory. So two of the reasons why is because they've already, you can take their bad logic to terrible conclusions. And then for two, they they don't know the first principles of what they're doing. They just know the answer. Whereas people on the right now, they've had to explain themselves so much that they kind of actually had to figure out their arguments, whether they're right or wrong. I mean, just like utter certainty that they are the only people in the universe who are on the right side of history. But that is the correct analysis. I mean, that's how we wrote our stupid papers is we started with the funny conclusion or horrible conclusion we wanted to reach. And they're like, how do we get to this? And how do we say ridiculous stuff on the way? Yeah. So like that dog humping paper, the, the first thing I was like, I sent Peter a text and I was like, Pete, what we need to write is a paper where the, where we use dog, dog training books to, to argue that, that we um, train men the way that we train dogs. And that that will solve rape culture. And so we started laughing about that. And the next thing you know, I was like, and dude, use your expertise because he has some dogs and he lives in Portland. So he has to take his dog in a city. So he has to take his dogs to the dog park. It's like, I've never been to a dog park. I live in kind of a, you know, so it's, I don't know, it's not rural, but it's, you know, small town. So everybody has yards. You don't take your dog anywhere. Yeah. Uh, you can go to the park together, I guess, or whatever. But Pete goes to the dog park every day. So I was like, use your expertise of the dog park and just write down some of the crazy stuff that happens there. Like that's evidence. And the next thing that came out was this, but again, the whole point was to just get to the conclusion that there's rape culture everywhere yeah. and that a good way to get rid of it would be to train. Like you have to say something avant-garde and just nonsense. Like we're going to train men the way we train dogs and that'll fix it, you know? And so, I mean, yeah, 
when you are absolutely certain of the conclusion and you don't know the slightest idea of how to make an argument, you can just write this crazy stuff down. Um, so easy to mess with them. I had a bunch of people that, you know, on one of my videos, but I was, I was doing the idea that I have a baby and it's trans because it keeps crying and girls cry more. <laughs> oh no. I got, uh, most people were like pretty on board. Like, you know, if that baby does show feminine characteristics, maybe we start transitioning. I'm like, we, I was in the, in my uh, position, I was telling them the baby was like four months old and they're like, you know, if that's what it is, then that's what it is. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta read its implicit biases from the outside, you know? Um, yeah, this is, it's ridiculous. Um, Oh, we actually thought about writing a paper that, that was going to argue that everybody's trans. Um, okay. So your baby definitely would be. <laughs> and the reason is because you're, you're, the only way you can know if you're trans or not is by transitioning. So everybody who hasn't <laughs> transitioned can't know that they're not trans. So it's better to just yeah. assume that they are. Um, like but then we were going to... But then we're, yeah, exactly. That was, it was literally what we were copying. <laughs> and then the other side of it was going to be to say that that you couldn't really do that, though, because then that would... would encroach upon so you're going to make the argument and then destroy our own argument by saying <laughs> it can make it make no sense <laughs> by saying that um that would take away from like the special status that trans people have because uh, <laughs> that's what this is really about right so if you want to add another piece to your puzzle is it's like how do i stare at my own narcissism until i lose my shit and write a paper and put it yeah. on the internet because <laughs> it's like i don't know I, i've started doing it on twitter sometimes and i'm backed away from you're it killing just, it on twitter i'm like I see some of these people tweet and it's like this issue about identity da, 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 and I'm just like quote tweet me 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 it's like focus on me send checks focus on me it's like come on you freaking narcissists this I mean it is there's this is a movement actually of self-pity it's like the narcissistic vacuum that the ideas themselves generate in people yeah like stare at why you don't have it good enough until you hate your life and that it has everything to do with who you are. So focus on who you are constantly, which is like the gateway to narcissism, and then project that back out into the world in the most kind of like nasty, cynical way you can imagine. It, it, it's really like it's a whole, it's like an entire philosophy of narcissistic injury, like self-inflicted <laughs> narcissistic injury. Every time you think it's going to break down, and like I remember that was why it was annoying me the last couple of days where, you know, all the Jewish stuff has been popping up, oh, which I've been saying no, forever yeah. that that's the next logical step is where people get, get into that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I go, uh, when, when the Jewish privilege stuff trended, trended, instead of like all these famous people, instead of coming out and being like, okay, this is stupid. This whole thing's retarded. They go, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm actually a victim. Like it's still, it's <laughs> still them. I go, that's everyone. Anytime it comes to these people, they still just go, no, 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 no. By the way, this whole thing is great where we point fingers and make a hierarchy, but it's just we're not at the top of it. Just just to be clear, here's our <laughs> list of problems. And you go, just say the whole thing's stupid. Stop playing this game. That's all it actually takes, really, because, again, they don't have an argument. They'll just scream at you for a moment and then they go away uh, and scream at somebody else who let will start it. to apologize. Just let them scream, get their temper tantrum out and kick the floor or whatever they do and uh, it's it's amazing how how sensitive people are to believing that they are actually complicit in some kind of bad thing just because some random people threw a fit about it like the like the the degree of like wrath that somebody feels or offense that somebody feels yeah. makes it more true what they're saying which in fact it makes it less likely to be true because that's when you yeah. know somebody's kind of like off the rails and they're not oh, being reasonable hell at all yeah yeah, why, why would that be more likely if someone comes in kicking and screaming and yelling? It's like, is that when they're most likely to be right?
And so like, yeah, exactly. So here's like an analogy. It'd be like, all right, our laws put people in prison and prison oppresses people. And so, and like, so this is going to be like hot. I'm, I'm leading like this stuff now with my own writing. I saw my own stuff quoted as though it was an authoritative source by the woke earlier today. <laughs> like they quoted my definition of their definition of science and they thought it was like the real one. That's <laughs> like, oh, shit. But no, what people who are in prison are oppressed. So people who have had the law not work out for them, that's who needs to write all of our laws now. Let's, let's take the people yeah. who the law didn't treat right and have them rewrite all of our laws. And it's like, those are the people that are most invested in, in screwing the law up. What are you talking about? Asking your children what time their bedtime should be and what they should be eating. <laughs> yeah, chicken tenders, right? Chicken tenders again, chicken tenders again, <laughs> yeah. chicken tenders again. Where's my ketchup? Ah! It's oh, I'm like, so sorry. I'm so sorry. That's my parent privilege. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a thing too, though, right? Breaking down the relationship between adults and children and reversing that. You see it in the classroom for sure that the teacher's imposing on the students. So like, gross to watch. I know. It's horrible to watch literal adults take orders from literal children. That president from your documentary is like, what a bitch. Oh my <laughs> God, George Bridges. Yeah, he, such a he's bug. like, I have to pee. And they're like, put your arms to your sides, bitch. And he's like, I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. And they're like, I have to pee though. And he's like, hold it. And he's like, okay, would you like gumbo cake? You know, Dude, that guy has sex with his shirt on dick through the hole. hundred <laughs> percent. Oh yeah. No, not good. <laughs> oh geez, man. That documentary though is full of like crazy stuff. Like yeah. it is fantasy land that these people live in. And it's only because of like enabling administrators like that guy that it happens. So here's an example. I actually saw lots of rough cuts of that documentary. So I don't remember if this made it into the real one or not, because I saw like 10 versions that didn't go out. So yeah. maybe it got cut, but there was a scene actually on film that I watched at Evergreen where some like just kind of dude is spray painting. And I, sometimes you'll catch me putting this on Twitter. If you pay attention, uh, somebody will say something about Evergreen and I just reply Limp Biscuit. And it doesn't make any sense, but was this dude was just spray painting Limp Biscuit oh. on the side of a building for like no reason. And I don't know what the relevance, there's probably some relevance to this. Like uh, some apparently little... the Nookie is actually a product of white privilege. Oh, okay. So there we go. So he's spray painting, <laughs> he's spray painting um, um, what, Limp Biscuit, And so this like little gang rolls up on him of these like social justice warriors like the literally the ones oh, no, that no, no. All i saw videos. that part that was in okay it. It, it is in there so i made yeah. it right and so you got this you guys guy could have trimmed it up a little bit a lot of blank footage but <laughs> there's like a there's like a what is he like trans maybe i don't know gender non-binary non-conforming something the limbisca uh, guy i don't think he's no there. no no the dude in the wheelchair okay, the dude, okay. you know the, the he's got a mobility scooter <laughs> you know he's doing this it's the dude in the, the wheelchair mobile yeah, the, he's well. He's rolling up into like his rascal on the guy spray painting stuff. Like he's gonna yeah. fight him, and it's like I just watched this. Like that's <laughs> the most fantasy land thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like it takes one step to the side by somebody who's not particularly athletic or skilled in fighting whatsoever, and a short push, and that yeah. guy's out of his wheelchair. And <laughs> not only is fight over, I mean it's just it's now a catastrophe, and only in like utter nonsense land where and then obviously i you know you can't go beat up people in wheelchairs that's so not cool but uh, watch in, me in, well, okay well i mean well, what if they're rolling up on you like hitting you in the <laughs> shins rolling with up on you. he was he was like vroom, vroom, vroom. he's gonna hit See the guy rolling. yeah they hating man they hating <laughs> catch him riding dirty right into the ground Dude, and so yeah sorry god man it's like only in a world though where the books are completely cooked where's certain types of people can never <laughs> be wrong about anything 
does it make any sense that some dude in a in a wheelchair scooter thing is like gonna fight this guy he's gonna you yeah. know, knock him over with his like little bulldozer he's driving it's like oh my gosh it, it was just you know it's it's like i guess it's nowhere near politically correct to talk about that but there's just this like scales falling from the eyes like wow they live in pretend land where everything is always safe and care bears and yeah nothing bad can actually happen never been so challenged you, mentally or physically yeah so if you like completely destroy say the functioning of society and the food supply chain collapses of course they'll still be able to eat no problem because you know the chicken tenders and the fish sticks are still <laughs> going to be in the grocery store obviously uh it's like whoa this is like they live i mean they live off in, in in narnia it's crazy the wheelchair stuff's so funny too it's kind of like with the fat study stuff you guys are going through but the that's always been one of my favorite things where they had like people with no limbs or wheelchair and they're kind of like you know just so you know it's not better to have uh you know two legs like just because you're not worse and you're like no it's definitely better to have two <laughs> legs than one yeah. leg yeah, it's definitely it, like it doesn't, it doesn't sure take better. away your, your worth as a person, but man, it, it's actually better. Yeah, um, it, it's definitely better. And so, yeah, it's it's there's these weird mixes of of ideas, like confusion between I, basic ideas, where they want to be like, you know, oh, you mean better, like actually better, but I hear it as better, like a better person. <laughs> you think people with two legs are better people rather than you know. It, that it's better you're better no, off they think no one's all your a better pieces person. work well yeah nobody's good at all no one's except, better than anyone uh, except whoever is running the grift that person is good at <laughs> the <that> grift <laughs> oh it's a total grift i liked when you call it hustlers the guys who uh they go to the corporations and then convince they go listen you guys got it's kind of like the guy that uh he says that you have a problem with your roof and then you go oh okay and then he's like also i'm the guy who needs to fix it you're like oh well then fuck you then i, I thought i was yeah, yeah, yeah. some honest info here yeah but exactly you guys are racist you're like by the way i I mean, I could solve this whole thing for 10 grand. Yeah, the hustle, I, that is a big hustle. And I don't understand how we keep falling for it because they show up and they're like, yeah, we were checking out how your organization works. And you have lots of spots where systemic racism is all through it. And, you know, by the way, do you not understand systemic racism? Well, we sell a $10,000 corporate training package to get you started. And then they come and they do the package. And then I, I mean, I saw a video where one of these guys, somebody, you know, all these people are secret recording their trainings and sending them to me. So I see what's in You them. must get a ton of that. Oh my God. People yeah. being like, thank yeah. you, dude. I, just, I know. I, don't know, I get but... so much of it. And it's like, don't share it. I'll lose my job. So I can't <laughs> show anybody. But there's this one video I watched where the guy, the, the person doing the um, training is like, diversity training. Uh, we we kind of know that the results of this don't stick. They don't work. It doesn't actually create better working relationships across uh, races. So that's why it's so important to go and buy this book and do the extra work at home. And by the way, I wrote the book, you know, it's like, <laughs> Oh my God, People our program so doesn't work, but we're, so we're going to have to have another one. And by the way, you need to go do more work at home. And here are the materials that we printed off for $150 a person or whatever that you can buy. It's like such a hustle. And we yeah. just, and like people are lining up like, I'm sorry, black people. Let me let me fall for your scam. Well, those black people are sort of appropriating white white uh, telling telling everyone they're bad. Like that's a white hustle, if anything. <laughs> I don't, it is that like that that stuff of like we're the worst. Like you know all this like all this privilege talk. Like that's like fucking white people shit to the max. It's it is. Like, it's like 
like all this stuff like we need to identify what white culture is all about and it's like i hate myself <laughs> like that's oh, white so culture funny. i was actually watching a guy doing a stand-up routine and i wish i could name him i hate when i can't remember who just doing a good stand-up routine but he was doing the stand-up routine about how he's jealous that all the other races have like racial solidarity and so he's telling the stories in like Central Park and some dude screams like some racial epithet, like the N-word or something at yeah. some black guy. And he's like literally other black people like emerged out of the bushes like they, you know, just <laughs> and swarm the guy. And then he's sitting back there like the one white guy in the scene hoping he's not going to get ganked too. And but he's like, yeah, get him. <laughs> and he's like, I just wanted to see the fight, you know, I wanted to see that guy get wrecked. And so literally, I, I, I literally, I watched this with my wife and I'm cracking up and then I go back to work and no shit. The word that I was supposed to define, like I'm going through my list for my encyclopedia I'm writing was white solidarity. And so I'm reading oh. it and they're like, <laughs> whites are the only race that have solidarity. And I'm listening to this comedian talk about how it's, we like, don't have a handshake. <laughs> we don't have nothing. We don't have anything. It's like, but it's like, they don't ever really talk about how they're all in league together, but they all know it. It's like they're socialized into believing that they're all in league together without ever talking about it. This is called a racial contract. It's yeah, kind of like the Illuminati. It is. They think that it's like, and it, when I say they, of course, we got to be careful because we. Yeah, what do you mean of, by they? And then yeah. you uh, you made three brackets with your hand. What does that mean? They. <laughs> they. No. So this is actually important because a lot of people think, oh, these people are talking about black people. No, I'm talking about about four percent of black people who are race hustlers that are grifting this stuff, and then probably an army of white consultants <laughs> oh, that they're oh, using. Yeah, they always are, have an army with a head lesbian. <laughs> yeah, that's well, the, yes, <laughs> actually. I mean, this is queer black feminism to the max is what this is yeah name for it um it sounds like the most untouchable thing like listen white man you definitely can't talk about queer black feminism just keep your hands out of this mess because <laughs> because you're every every part of wrong if you criticize it meanwhile they're like yeah our objective is to tear down society and destroy the idea of the family we're gonna get rid of fathers completely and it's like uh <laughs> you're like go sick killing it you guys are you guys should be in charge yeah, sure. Let's just make you president. No problem. Dude, if these, yeah, all these people, you're like, if you were in charge of a company, that company would no longer exist in six months. <laughs> That's the thing, man. It's like, people keep asking me, they're like, what do I do? And I'm like, quit your job and make a, make a company that competes with the one you're leaving because it's going to be totally dysfunctional yeah. in six months and you're going to be the market leader. Like, just, just scoop them. Just leave and scoop. They're just killing their credibility. I mean, I always say this with you know, late night universities. And I've obviously dealt with this way more in entertainment and your sort of wheelhouses with the universities. And you've, you know, I have like tons of awesome uh, insight on that. But the, the it's, it's like they think they have this unlimited amount of power that they can use forever. But every time you use it, you have less of it, right? It's like with mm -hmm. late night shows, but the university degree is the same thing. They go, I was listening to the, this uh, podcast about directing and, and the Cannes Film Festival person was on, on the film. And basically what they were saying was, so this year, what we're doing is there's no films with white people. We're only looking for diversity and we're trying to push this. And you go, okay, so now when I see a film that goes Cannes Film Festival, I go, okay, well, that's, I know how that works. Like, I know all the shitty comedians that have got on these late night shows. You go, okay, that's devalued. Like, as soon as you, you don't have unlimited capital for your reputation. As soon as you start, like, throwing it around, eventually people will go, 
you Harvard's like, oh, we'll let anyone in. You go, all right, well, then somebody you come to show up with your Harvard degree and everyone goes, well, suck a dick. I don't care. <laughs> That's right. So this actually taps into what I secretly thought was one of the most brilliant arguments I ever made. And I don't normally think that most of my shit's that smart. And, and so this was, I, I was like, wow, there's an economy, right? So I got it onto this like cross interdisciplinary nonsense where I was like, there's an economy of, of moral, uh, moral understanding. Um, there's, there's, you can think of like victimhood as like uh, having moral currency. You, you like okay. prop up the victim. And I actually didn't invent that. I read that in uh, a very famous paper about it's victim sort of culture like microaggressions. <laughs> and so, yeah, right. And so um, my argument was, I was like, these people are doing like Venezuela style or Zimbabwe style inflation on that currency. Yes. It's like, that's good. Sooner, like that. sooner or later, we hit the point where like a ten trillion dollar victimhood note Dude, is worth so, like. Right? You need a wheelbarrow full of victimhood currency. That's like if right. you're calling a guy racist, you used to that used to be like a oh that was like a worth a hundred bucks. Now calling a guy racist, you need like a wheelbarrow of racist cards. That's right. So you used to be able to come up with like a tear on your cheek, one crocodile tear would do it. Then you needed a mug of tears, and it's going to be that you need like an Olympic swimming pool of <laughs> tears before anybody gives a crap about any of this because like you said the capital's not infinite and then there's there's the, the, also the social capital side of it um like with harvard because like the capital's somebody, relative right uh, right so somebody was yeah. the other day even said something to me about harvard and i'm like do, do people take harvard seriously anymore right. like didn't that stop people are like oh it's in the new york times somebody sent me a new york times article the other day and i was just like i don't read the new york times now that's dead yeah it's like that's just my attitude about it it's like I don't care what's in the New York Times. Like the, yeah, the New York Times to lie to me, you know? Yeah. Guy, I don't know. You know, your girlfriend comes in and fucking tells you 9,000 lies. You go, okay, well, we don't, we don't take your opinion on this topic anymore. That's right. It's like how they think, I mean, their hustle's going pretty well still, but I think there's a breaking point. And when, when the breaking point crosses, I think it's just kind of all just I think collapses. the hustle's going through good for people that are in the little group, but for everyone else, they're realizing, how does this help me? You know, I mean, I'm seeing tons of videos about that. I'm seeing tons of videos of people putting out. They're like, you know, it'll be like Black Lives Matter people, but not the official organization. And they're like, this thing's selling black people down the river. And it's like, yup. And it's like, what does Nike have to do with this? And it's like making money off your pain. Yeah, so you guys are making a bunch of money and I get some likes on Facebook. I don't think I like this deal anymore. Yeah, this sucks. (laughs) Oh, man. Check out my SoundCloud. That's all you get. Dude, you were, I always thought it was kind of cool watching that doc again, too, that you were one of the original guys, like when, cause all of the, the James Damore and the, the Brett Weinstein, like all of those guys in the university world that mm-hmm. were kind of the poster guys for that. I know James Damore was in tech, but you yeah. were sort of in the middle of all that stuff, right? Yeah, Which was, was cool. And it was at that time. I remember even when I was doing comedy like five, six years ago and I was kind of talking about all this stuff and on the podcast, it was it was very rare. I remember like me, me and my buddy Danny, we'd meet another guy and he'd be like, yo, this guy's like kind of into the shit we're into. And it was kind of like finding an old <laughs> punk band back then. Like, I don't know if you <laughs> when you found Brett Weinstein. Like, the first, you know, it was kind of the first people that were like, yo, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, now we got to be careful not to go into the Green Day trap, I guess. All right. So gotta- <laughs> well, I've, I've been, dude, I, to be completely honest with you, I stopped talking about uh, this stuff in a, a large way about two years ago. I really pivoted kind of towards, you know, back to 
masculine versus feminine. And I was kind of talking about different things. Like I sort of, I remember I had a joke where I was saying, you know, that everyone's trying to be a victim. Like, uh, you know, someone would be like, I'm trans, I'm first nations, disabled trans Pfft, internet explodes. We found, and I remember that was like five years ago. And I remember kind of saying that on stage a couple of years ago and being like, ah, this feels like too, you know, treaded right now. It feels like all oh, these libtards. So yeah. I, I already did a little bit find that pivot, but things have really boiled up again where it feels like this is sort of a second round of yeah, things fucking wild again. There's so much stupid that it, you guys are like, and everybody's a little bit scared. You seem not to be, but most everybody in the comedy world's like, gotta just be like bucking against you, like champing against the gate, ready to just go crazy making fun of this stuff. And yeah, once no, once that hammer falls, man, the comedy that's coming out of this, I mean, the only people that have really been, really been driving it have been South Park. And like, Yeah, like, South Park's always great. Um, but oh my God, the comedy that's available with this stuff is just next level. I mean, if you can write an academic paper about dogs humping each other, yeah. then you can include a line like, from my limited perspective as a human and not a dog, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> like you have to acknowledge, the, the, the reviewers made us acknowledge that we weren't dogs. Yeah. So we don't understand when dogs are having sex and when dogs are raping each other. It's like, holy crap, these people have, you know, they have sticks so far up their own asses that it's like coming out their nose. Yeah, but people are afraid to do it. I mean, that's what it's for now. Is, and then there's the other side of people being like, oh, you can't say anything these days. And it's like, I mean, you can, but you just have to be really good at it. And it's hard. And that's right. Good. I'm, I'm glad I'm the, you know, especially with stand up. Like if everyone was on stage being like these fucking, you know, faggot, you know, whatever, saying whatever right, they right, want right. to. And everyone was like, ha ha ha. You'd be like, all right, well, I'm not gonna be doing that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Lame. Next. I mean, the first yeah. rule is never be boring. Uh, and yeah, and then also, gets... I mean, you know, this might be like a stock rule, but if you ever find yourself on like completely the side of the mob, you know, reevaluate your position right away, right away. That's right. Um, but you with with so with your like career, because you sort of popped off and you have a big following now and all this stuff. Yeah. To, you know, to me, you're one of these guys like Jordan Peterson and these guys or whatever. How do you do you see yourself in the realm of him, or do you see yourself as like a different than a guy like that? I mean, he and I actually aren't quite the same people he's like grumpy dad and i kind of really yeah just well you're tell, younger tell jokes yeah um like his, his approach in general though is kind of like very serious and grumpy and it's very good and it really connects to people and uh my style is like i would rather i mean it's kind of bad because I, people it's a little more nihilistic <laughs> to be honest well i mean i i feel like my biggest inspirations were, were comedians uh so yeah there is a little bit of that. So I have that ability to deconstruct a little bit because that's, I think what good comedy is doing is good deconstruction of something yeah. that's too pompous. And so it's like, uh, I was even talking to some of these academic types that were mentioning just yesterday and they were like, you know, well, you can't do this because then you hit this wall and they do that. And it's like, break guys, down the walls then just deconstruct it, just turn their tool back on them and yeah, make yeah. it absurd. And when everybody starts laughing, they're, the spell is broken. It's just deconstructed. So if they call you something, you deconstruct them calling you that. You know, they're like, yeah. you're a racist. I'm like, what? I'm a racist? Mm, no, you call me a racist is you trying to hide your own racism, man. That's your <laughs> white fragility is flared up. And now they're caught in the, the, in the whirlwind and you're like laughing. And other people are like, you know, they're dropping that meme with like that one black guy who's like, ooh, he's like going through, you know, he's doing that thing. I don't know what his name is. His, yeah. You know, it, it's a gif. You can look it up on Twitter.com. <laughs> 
I don't know what you have to type in though, because I'm my, my right. gift game is bad. My I have this one that I like to put. that's like just this dude wearing like a robe that's like V down to here, and there's babes all behind him, and he's just swinging two nunchucks, and it makes no sense at all. And yeah, I'm like, this is me right now. It, and it's like <laughs> I'm like probably sitting on my couch with like my belly showing and <laughs> like double chins and shit, eating chips, and I'm like, this is me with all these babes and my <laughs> nunchucks. It's like it's uh, everything's so stupid. It's so fun yeah but that's the thing is if you can't find where it's fun there's it's lost right you're stuck and you're going to be doing some shit like post comedy where where you get up and you're like i'm a lesbian and i'm going to tell you why nothing is funny and you're going to have to sit here and pretend to laugh for 30 minutes Yeah, if you you want to be a soldier for a movement but why you know why would you do this yeah because they want to you know obviously these people want sort of the spots in the industry but the mm-hmm. reason I wanted yeah. your inside scoop on that one question, though, where where do you think that? Because uh, I've been meaning to ask like someone in, like you this question, mm-hmm. but like, if you think of like Jordan Peterson and his like huge rise and why, and because you know yourself, like in my opinion, you're like still kind of rising and becoming bigger and bigger and growing. Yeah. Where do you think that he kind of like messed up in uh, in terms of his kind of reign disappearing as far as like him being the predominant figure in that realm? I mean, I think there are kind of three things that, you know, I thought of that to guard myself from one is like his life situation just got crazy. Bad things were happening. He ended up getting a lot of anxiety disorder issues because, you know, his wife has like some unknown disease or cancer or something. All these things are happening with his family, with health, all this crazy stress. He's doing literally like, I don't know, 200 shows a year or some insane schedule and every podcast in between plus writing plus everything else. Oh, and I so, can imagine. So he ends up on like benzos and apparently those, those aren't a smooth ride. And so step one, don't take benzos. Okay. That's one rule. Another one is probably, you know, you got to cross your fingers because life is, is not certain, but you got to hope that there's not going to be anything bad happening that drives you to a breakdown. But one thing you can choose to avoid with a breakdown is not to do 200 shows a year. It's like, you know, trying to become, I mean, maybe it was just the circumstances, but trying to be the one man army who does everything um, seemed to be kind of a a direction. Do you think it was like a systemizing problem more more than anything? Yeah, maybe. I think so. I think he, I I think he just overextended himself a bit. And then that creates anxiety and stress disorders. And maybe that contributed to the other parts. And then, you know, part of why he rose so well was because he could always back up these sort of like really um, kind of on the edge statements about like, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, is he actually kind of sexist? Cause he's up there and he's like, you know, I'm not saying it's bad. We have women in the workplace. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying we don't know. And it's like, right. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a point and I can articulate the point and I can discuss the point and I can argue the point. And he obviously can back himself up. But it made it so easy for like Vice to slice that up, kind of like your slice up videos, you know, it's like let's yeah. slice up Jordan Peterson and sell it. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. So it's just to make him look like this raging like caveman with regard to women and homosexuals and things like that. And it's like, as it's in a way, the world has legitimately moved to a place where that's a difficult position to maintain. Um, 
You know what else? Like with especially with a guy like you two, like or you know, there's these people that are kind of these like brilliant cultural commentators or you know academic commentators, and then like the next logical step kind of becomes to get and be a political commentator, oh. and you might not be as uh, I don't know whatever the word is, uh, you know, the same have the same brilliance in that realm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of I always think of it as like you know I understand like hockey super super well. But and I've played it my entire life. I understand the game really well. But like right now, I don't know who the players are. I don't really pay attention. It's kind of like right. politics in a lot of ways. Is that like I I do understand the kind of underlying of everything. But like if you ask me who the fuck like is whatever mayor or governor in whatever city, like I don't understand it. And I think when he sort of dipped his toe in and he sort of said like, oh Kavanaugh should step down or whatever, and everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And then he was kind of like, no, I mean uh, he shouldn't. I take it back. And then it was like, oh no. Kind of you kind of dip into the too far into the world that that uh, you're not, you know, spent 30 years becoming brilliant at. Yeah, the Linus Pauling problem. Um, is that what that is? What does that mean? Oh, well, I don't know if that's what it's called. Linus Pauling was a brilliant scientist who did, who got like a Nobel Prize for how, how good he was, but it's not what he's most famous for. He's most famous for telling people to take 30,000 milligrams of vitamin C every day and it'll cure every possible disease. Okay. So the entire like bogus uh, vitamin and supplement industry that rose up was a result of this Nobel Prize winning, I forgot what science he was in, but not not that, deciding that vitamins were like right. the, the key to everything. And he just went <laughs> nuts into this whole vitamin. He went all in on vitamins. Yeah. But I found this is actually often the case with politics in particular, because everybody feels like they can like open their mouths about it. And so that's why I actually have intentionally branded myself and it drives people nuts. So I love it on Twitter as apolitical. It's like, I actually don't want to get into that. I've noticed in the past when I try to take the political stances, A, it's divisive, B, it's boring. C, if I actually look at myself in my heart of hearts, I don't know what I'm talking about. It's like somebody, some, <laughs> right. it's true. It's like, this is why I step back from politics and trying to be interested. I'm not even interested in politics now because one day I was sitting there you know, interrogating myself, I guess, if that's the word now. And I was like, self, let's, let's think. No, I didn't actually do that. But I did think, I was like, well, what do I really think about immigration? And it was, it was immigration. I was like, what do I really think about that? And I was like, holy shit, this is complicated. Yeah. And like, that's the only conclusion I could get to is like, whoa, this is hard. Maybe I should have to be a policy expert before I have an opinion about this. <laughs> and then it was like, what about guns? And I'm like, shit, this is hard. And it took like in the span of like an hour, I realized it's like, oh my God, I don't know nearly enough of anything to have. Well, if you just pick a team, opinions. they give you your beliefs and then you can just do it that yeah, way. Yeah, it's like you get them on a list. It's on a blue piece of paper <laughs> or a red one. And it's you like, can oh, tattoo this, this, them this. on your American Eagle or your Bernie Sanders uh, forehead. That's right. You, that's exactly what you can do. Just, just put the, the, the Democratic Party platform and a tattoo all down your ribs, girls. You know, <laughs> that'll work out great for you in like four years. Um, but no, it's like, I just looked at these issues and I'm like, man, I don't, I actually don't know. <laughs> and they vary from place to place too. Like it's so easy to be like no guns when you live in, you know, whatever this place. And then when you live t- 30 minutes away from the nearest police station, like you might want a gun, you know? So it's, it's yeah, it's I, it, it does. Factors. I mean, I get asked questions like this all the time and I more or less just try to ignore them now. Um, People ask me to weigh in on the politics or whatever. I got every day almost because of the since the grievance studies affair. I think every day for like two years they're like, "What do you think of climate change?" Yeah, and I'm like, "I think I'm going to not talk about that." So what would <laughs> the, you call? Yeah, what would you call yourself? What would be the like? Would you say like 
uh, cultural, you know, intellectual, like what would be a, what would I, be a I don't know. I try to, I, I call myself James, um, or Jim more <laughs> often. To, well, we got to label you somehow. No, that's the thing though. Is I, actually, publicist here. I actually have the, a, a belief that, that the best way to operate as an individual is to let labels be descriptive and not prescriptive. So taking the label upon yourself, it's like the Lord of the Rings thing, right? So where they have that scene and, uh, it's in the, the, in, in the Thillion, I know I'm getting dorky here, but Sam and Frodo yeah. and and I love how I'm drawing you into the to Athelion with me here. <laughs> Sam and Frodo and and Smeagol, Gollum are are there, and and the, Sam falls asleep, and then Gollum comes back, and he's like, "Where have you been? You sneak or whatever like that." And then Frodo wakes up later, and he's like, "You know what's going on, Gollum?" And he's like, "Smeagol is a sneak," and it's like, "Don't take names onto yourself." And he says, "Smeagol has to take what he's given." And it's like, that is like profound because you can see that Gollum's being a little bitch by taking the label onto himself. So maybe he was being a sneak and the descriptive label is fine, but he becomes a bitch when he takes it onto himself. Of course. And so I don't want to take labels onto myself, but if you were to actually like say, okay, go take the damn test. What do you think about this issue? What do you think about that issue? Given that you're pretty moderate because you just said you don't know anything about these things. Where would I like, where do my impulses and, and thoughts make me land. I actually end up pretty far left and pretty far libertarian. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if there's a political compass test, I'm actually really far down to the far left cor- bottom corner, um, which is like, I think the closest public figure to me was like Gandhi or something. <laughs> so it's like, ha <laughs> like, ha. But no, um, I do generally like my, my ideas about politics descriptively do bend left, but I find that if I start thinking of myself as somebody on the left, I start thinking, well, what do leftists think? And then I start like, that's what it means to be a good person now is to think that way. And I think that's poison. I think that's total poison. And that's really what's kind of going on. Like with this woke thing, with the conservative backlash to it, the conservative thing that preceded it, it was like, what does it mean to be this identity? And I'm, that's how I'm going to define myself as a good person. Conservatives are good people or woke people are the only good people in history. Everybody else's statue must be thrown to the bottom of the river. And so once they start looking at themselves that way, they start looking at being a good person in those terms. And then it's just like the dominoes of radicalization are just like, and then the next thing you know, they're, they're like, cutting off ties from their family, defriending people in real life, um, you know, burning down a Starbucks. It just gets out of control. So I try yeah. to avoid the the identity label. So what do I call myself? Um, I try not to think about it. Yeah. When you did that, uh, the montage where it was the, the stuff with the church and then the social justice preachers back to back, that was one of the, that was one of the like best things in documentaries ever. It was, there yeah. was, so what happens is there's all these Christian preachers and all these social justice preachers and you find basically almost the same sentences and you have religious music underneath it. And I was like, man, you guys, that was a, that was a big one. Were you guys pumped when you made that? Cause that fucking, ruled. Oh yeah. I loved it. Um, I actually got it. Like we should give props to the filmmaker, Mike Nana, the guy who made that, Yeah, he, was on he did channel. the evergreen documentary. He, uh, man, he has got an eye for this stuff. He has got a talent and he's, he's like tapped right on the pulse of this stuff and he can put some stuff together 
like that that just shows it, right? Because it's so hard to tell people. I tell people the stuff. My job is to go out and talk about it and write stuff about it. And people are like, eh, are you sure? Uh, did you read that right? Did you? Eh, I don't know. You know, I get a lot of right. like pathological contrarian, like eh, noise that people make when they're that kind of like just disagree with everything person. But Mike has this talent to just show it. Like you watch that Evergreen documentary and you're like, yeah. oh, these crazy crackpot beliefs about race and racism are what led these students to act like wild animals and destroy their university. The same thing with yeah. this, with this jerk. They found you know, their Jordan bridges. Yeah. They found their God. Yeah. And so it's like the same thing, that religious thing where it goes back and forth between these preachers and the point being that they're preaching their religion and these woke people like doing their weird, like, seances or whatever you know, so like, funny dude and yeah like, like indigenous seances or something oh, that it was they're amazing doing. it's like whoa it's the same thing wow okay here are actually people and now there's i will pledge the whiteness out of my body i know i was gonna say now there's footage of like literally they're like <laughs> crying and washing people's feet i mean it's like you couldn't possibly do better to make these i mean you could like put this straight in an old track from like you know, oh brother, where art thou, or whatever, and it's yeah. like, come on down to the river, you know, dunking them, and it's like they're like washing people's feet, and it's like you could fit it right in. Oh, it's so, ridiculous. and they don't realize how much people are leaving their church. It's kind of like back in the day when the church and they go, everyone's holy, and then they go to the bar, and they're like half their churches at the bar, and you go, what the hell's going on here? And everyone's like, I don't, we don't really care. That's yeah. what the comedy clubs are like right now. Every, everyone that's posting this online, they go, oh, they all like my stuff and all this stuff. You go, you can have most normal people in a room and you can still kill and you, the social justice people come in, they go, the, why is everyone laughing at this? Everyone's still, oh, okay, everyone's still racist. They actually need more church. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. It's, it's really crazy. It's just so, such but, an, the universities, like to me, you that was you had such good points on that because I you went to you're like did you have like a PhD in math or something like that, right? Yeah, that's right. So yeah. I did like um uh I have like a math economics like uh just like a bachelor or whatever, right? From Canada, oh, yeah. so it's so, basically. Oh, like I a, was gonna say if you were an American university, we could do the handshake, but clearly you don't know it. No, so yeah, where we you get them out of a, a you know a, a pop machine in Canada, it's very yeah, that's right, that's right. The government pays for it; it's worth nothing, but the. The um, so basically, when you were talking about how everyone leaves the programs and they end up the similar programs, I go, when you were saying that, I go, because when I was in economics and I was in the math economics, by third year, everyone switched out of math economics to go to the the other economics where you didn't have to do the math. And then by fourth year, everyone dropped out of the, out of all of it to go to just like a BA in business or no, sorry, like a, a Bachelor of Commerce in business. Yeah, yeah. And then by fourth year, like my class, which I was good at, and the, by the end, it's just like me and seven Asian people. And I was like, what am I doing here? And I'm trying to play in bands and shit. I could give lots of a fuck about that stuff, right? But um, it was- That's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing. And it's like, you know, I, now I look at it from the other end because it's like, so you have all these people and they were going to be, I don't know, engineers. They were going to be whatever they were going to be. They had their little dreams. They went off to college and then calculus like slapped them in the head and they're like, ah, and then, you know, it's like, don't, yeah. don't, don't, don't they fall down the, the list of, of majors to education and they get a degree in education. That's, I, I hate to say it, but in, it really shouldn't be, but it turns out to often be the kind of like the last bastion of anybody can graduate. And so then I, now I'm looking and I'm starting to think, cause I look at this woke scholarship that this critical stuff so I'm especially right now it's flaring up that they're like trying to undo math. And it's like, I'm reading this article, a yeah. real academic article the other day. And it's like, 
I can't say whether or not I hate math because I don't know math that well, but I can say <laughs> I've never met a math teacher that I liked or whatever, right? Sounds like and a So I'm just picturing me. in my head that this dude that's now dismantling math, who has a degree in education, oh, but not in math, and they all, all have degrees in education. If you want to find somebody tearing <laughs> up some field, it's the people who have a degree in the education of that subject. That's who's tearing it oh up. My God. And so it's like they, they got spanked by calculus. They They're couldn't critics. do it. And then boom, they, boom they, they land in education with a chip on their shoulder. And then they're like, I'm going to go get revenge on these math teachers who made it so I couldn't pass calculus because, you know, I refuse to study for 10, the 10 hours it requires a day to understand limits or whatever it is. Yeah. Or like and, my brain doesn't work that way, you know? And I, you know, I sound like I'm making stuff up here, but I've actually read a lot of this material. So one of my favorite examples of this is I'm reading this example, this book, I got these Swedish people sent me this book and said, with this critical nutrition studies. They're like, will you read this? It's like taking over nutrition studies, nutrition. And I'm like, uh, okay, I don't know anything about nutrition. They're like, don't worry, you don't need to. Just, it's all garbage. Just read the thing into a book <laughs> review. And I was like, okay. So last year I read this book and there's this whole part. It's like the history of critical nutrition studies that they're talking about. And it's like all these weird personal stories because that's how they advance everything is by telling like their diary. Yeah. And so it's like, I had a practice where I tried to do holistic health and in integrate, you know, indigenous herbs into nutrition and uh, my business failed. And that's just proof that the, that the community doesn't understand how important those views are. And it's like, now I've gotten into, you know, writing this. And when we tried to write it up in a, in a proper nutrition journal, they said, we can't accept this. This isn't nutrition. This is something else. And that just shows that they don't want critical <laughs> views. And so now we've created our own field where it's critical of nutrition studies. And it's oh like, my God. it's the people who failed that are pissed off about it and just want to whine yeah. and have now been afforded an academic outlet that makes it look serious. It's bad. It's like, wow, that's real. It's like, so now I'm thinking like these math educators who are like, Mm, you can't really say two plus two equals four. Yeah, it's more complicated than that. That's an objective white way to understand mm -hmm. two plus two. We have to look at it in other ways of knowing and admit different number systems. It's like, okay, so I look at, I go, I click on their, their freaking Twitter profile. I go to their website. Hey, look, there's your CV. Oh, wow, look, bachelor's, master's degrees in education. Huh, how about that? Not a single Such mathematician a among them, just education, education, <laughs> education, education. And of course, I've also, from the other aspects of what I study, it's like, no, well, the education schools are just completely rotten with this stuff and have been since like 1980. So it's been moving in intentionally into the education schools to make people just turn into complainers since like 1980. Professional so, complainers. It, yeah. And so it's like, you know, you start trying to put the puzzle pieces together of how this is happening. You're like, oh, something, you know, we keep, I keep <laughs> almost every podcast I've been on in like the last week, somebody said, feels like something's rotten in the state of Denmark. And I'm like, it just hit me. It's like, no, something's rotten in the colleges of education that if like you had to like apply societal bleach to one thing and maybe fix the problem. I think it's just like purge the colleges of education and make them new with a, with a, you know, rigorous constitution and, and you could fix the problem in a generation and a half. And they don't get it too. I go, I was telling someone, you know, the idea of, if you're, t you know, except every, it's like 90% left wing and whatever. That's like the, that's kind of what colleges are always going to be a little bit because those jobs aren't, you know, sort of uh, philosophical in a lot of ways. Right. But then you go, okay, do you agree that if it was 90% right wing, that's what everyone was being taught? Would you agree that's a problem? Okay. So you do agree in principle that there <laughs> should be some objective. You just don't mind it right now because it's your thing. But like, how do you not understand that that, 
these people are all the the guy that the girl turned down and then they've dedicated their life to wrecking her that's right it's, it is it's like the it's like the scholarly version of revenge porn um yeah but it's like i mean this is a fun one with that specific principled argument so you can say oh well if the schools were being taken overtaken by like religious instruction yeah you know, exactly it, right and then you say like for example imagine if it was like all muslims taking over the school and then these these people they're like no 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 that would be okay we need to yeah, well, we don't have a problem with we, that we need to let that in and you're like oh I, well you know i was guess I, what I meant you wouldn't to, be there sister I, I meant to say evangelical christians and they're like oh you can't have that that's out you know ah. it's like it's like like haha got you again um but i got obsessed with that one for a while it sounds like you were into the fat studies thing which is hilarious but the fat studies fat studies the fat stuff and the the islam stuff i was like it was about four or five years ago i'm talking about this year before but i got so obsessed with it to the point where i go i have to stop talking about this because i would look at my like 60 minute act and i'd be talking about muslims for like 15 minutes because just like the <laughs> like i was my that was i was kind of on the side of like yeah muslims are amazing like the i want to marry a muslim chick just because their bible has a lot of good really good shit about how to treat women and like you know what i mean and how your wife should act so i just you know it's a great really it was kind of that but i was so obsessed with that oh man for the fat studies that's a thing that's a thing so fucking funny it's so hard not to make fun of it like just by describing it <laughs> it's like fat studies they always say fat phobic i go well, you know i'm not afraid i mean i might be afraid if uh one was rolling down the hill like an avalanche and i was running from it <laughs> it's like that's fat phobia you can't do that yeah. that's fat shaming fat stigma and it's like, you know, the, my favorite thing, though, it's like I'm reading through, we got that book, Cynical Theories, and Helen is a very uh, heavy woman. And so it's like I'm reading this. And of course, she's like not having it with fast. She's studies. like, this is retarded. It's, it is. Yeah. And so, she, so we're going, th I'm reading through it. And the way she writes certain things is just like, I'm on a plane. Like I was flying to Rogan and I read my whole book on, on my flight to Rogan, which was yeah. intense. And so I'm wearing my mask and I'm super uncomfortable and I'm sitting next to somebody, which I, you would think that they would just not do that, but they got to put, make some money. So whatever. So I'm this reading just this now. Book. The, the last yeah like it? yeah a few weeks ago yeah yeah and so Very i'm advanced. reading i'm reading from the fat studies chapter and it's like helen's got this way of wording things and she's like and they act like it's an immutable characteristic instead of just a result of consuming too many calories <laughs> and, <that's laughs> and it's just like consistently consuming too many calories so the whole premise of fat studies is, is some funny stuff here just like descriptively is that you shouldn't treat fatness it's like immutable like it can't go away right it's it's yeah. just like race it's just like sexuality and it's like if, if you know the people are doing race and, and queer theory and stuff are like no and then but they can't say no because that would be fat phobic i said uh... but it's like really uh this is something that not only can but often does change like there are medical cases where it's very difficult or even impossible. And we can understand that and make some allowances. We're not all assholes, but you actually, most people can't actually change this. And so then like the whole premise of fat studies is we have to lean into the lived experience of fat people to understand what it's like. But if their lived experience taught them the one thing they need to know, which is how to lose weight, you wouldn't even need fat studies. So it's like the whole thing is self-defeating from the very core of its existence. <laughs> yeah. It's like, have you tried listening to like, some diet and exercise coach who lost a lot of weight and then got into the fitness industry because they might have the relevant lived experience you're actually looking for, as opposed to the one that's clearly not helping you. Um, and it's bad because you start making fun of people like this, but it's so hard not to. I could tell a story, for example, of a friend of mine, or I guess former friend of mine from college, and she's very heavy. And she got all into this fat study stuff and was posting it on Facebook, you know, like 
five or six years ago all the time. And it was just like hot. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> it was like, mm. so, uh, but anyway, she, she goes on this vacation this one time and she's talking about how cool it is like this great resort. And she's showing all these pictures. And like I said, the, the backstory there is like just every day, it's like fat studies, body positivity, all this kind of stuff for, for years. She goes to this resort and it's like rolling hills and she's talking about how great it is and everybody gets their own little clubhouse. And I, I shit you not, the end of the story was, and the best part is they have all the ice cream you can eat for free, <laughs> but the downside is that it's in the main house, not in the each individual clubhouse, so you have to go there. But luckily, they give you a golf cart, so you don't have to walk. And I'm like, you can't make this up. <laughs> Like, what are you talking about? And you're like leaning into fat studies every day. It's like walk up the hill and to get your ice cream or maybe skip it. You know, holy crap. It's like, and so then I'm reading Helen's writing and she's like, whereas, you know, becoming obese is actually the result of consistently consuming too many calories, period, full stop, the end. And it's like, oh, man. I like the fat studies. They just all have a leg of ham at the meetings. <laughs> They're fat bodybuilding meetings. Do you know oh, what inspired so the fat bodybuilding paper? I mean, two things. One was that we actually had a professional bodybuilder who let us use, who's also a history professor who let us use his name. So we had to work okay. bodybuilding into stuff. But I was reading um, various fat studies papers, just kind of like flipping through, trying to find something that would work. Some, and I read this. Spank too. <laughs> that's right. Very vigorously. And I was like, um, I hit this one and it said that there's an actual like line in there that says, it takes time to build a fat body. It takes even more time to build a politicized fat body. And I'm like, <laughs> fat bodybuilding. That's it. That's it. It takes time to build a fat body. And I'm yeah. like, that's insane. That's so funny. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, it's a project. There, It's all that stuff with uh, all of these. And I was kind of doing a video about this, which is the idea that like make your movement intentionally vague so you can keep it going forever. But <laughs> all these things, you, if, if you, if there's any possibility for a solution, then it can't go on forever. That's, That's right. Why, and one of the things you said uh, recently that one, which is one of the things someone messaged me being like that you said is like that uh, the trans lives matter is like they're all lives matter because <laughs> it's just so fun. When you go to these things, it's like, why do you think? And, and by the logic, there's so many logic flaws where they go, okay, well, they have trans trans lives matter at the black lives matter. And you go, okay, but why? And they go, well, because black trans people are being killed. It's like, okay, well, by that logic, could I have a uh, drug dealers lives matter because there's black drug dealers being killed? And you know, well, no, this one's different. Okay. But you gave me a definition in which it wasn't. So do you want to update your definition? No, I'm just going to have a definition that has a lot of exceptions, but I don't care. And you go, what's going on here? Like, we don't have to use logic anymore. They don't give a shit if the things don't make sense. Well, it's it. That's true. In fact, it's unrepentantly uh, inconsistent and incoherent. They don't uh, care. Queer theory, in particular, is uh, but queer theory. They actually, in the roots of <laughs> queer theory. Uh, oh my god, this is this is great. Um, I was talking to somebody earlier today, and they were like, "Well, I think this race stuff is probably going to burn out soon. Some next thing is going to going to come into the fore." And I was like, "It's going to be the trans thing," and. Um, that's because, you know, uh, we haven't all really sat down and dealt with the queers yet. And I was like, that's with a technical the queers. Term. But it's not a slur, though. It's a technical term. It's what oh, they call themselves. And it's like, that's hilarious. It's hilarious <laughs> that that's the case, right? It's, so it's not a slur because I'm actually talking God about people who, queers. Have, that, that's their political identity. And it's like, hmm, 
you know, what's going on here? So but, funny. But no, they from the very beginning, you know, their earliest papers in the 1980s, the stuff that became queer theory, it got named in like 1993 or one or something like that. But the stuff that became queer theory, they were like, yeah, we should embrace contradiction because it's politically useful when people don't know what we're talking about. And it's like yeah. both things at once at the same time. And that's politically useful to get lost in that. And I mean, people are going to say, that's not true. Where is it? And it's not, I didn't quote it, but the, you can read it in Eve Sedgwick's book, The Epistemology of the Closet. I didn't make it up. She actually talks about how the contradiction becomes a political, a politically useful site of uh, activism because people don't know what's going on. I even, I think I just did a Twitter thread about that earlier today is like the part of the goal is to make it so that people don't know what's going on and then you can pretty much do whatever you want. So they yeah, just know, keep them dizzy like a, like a Looney Tunes character. Because <laughs> then, yeah, well, are you going to stop somebody? You don't, like, I don't even know what you're talking about. They're like, yeah, well, we're just going to go ahead and make this a law now. Uh, okay, okay. You know, yeah, I mean, like, you're the boss. I can't, I can't argue. I don't have... I thought queer theory was the uh, study of late night talk show hosts. <laughs> it should be. Um, did you know that in one of our papers that, that the, this is really funny. So one of our papers, we, we attacked comedy itself and we nice. said that humor can only yeah, be used to support social justice. Otherwise it's always bullying and wrong. Mm -hmm. And then we criticized our own idea of writing hoax papers and said that that's always bullying. So we criticized our own, our own project while we were doing it. Uh, in an academic paper that got accepted by the leading feminist philosophy journal. And Hell so yeah. well, the editor, though, wrote back and she's like, ah, I know what you mean. It's like, I sometimes get very frustrated. I'll be watching Stephen Colbert and I'll be watching him and I'll say, that was awfully cis white male of you, Stephen, yelling at my television. It's like, and you picture this like, and I was like, that's so absurd. Like you're yelling at Stephen Colbert. For saying something too cis white male-y. Blasphemous. And, a, and it's like, holy crap. So then I thought, wow, we'll probably get on the Colbert show over this. Mm, no. Yeah. Turns out our politics no. weren't correctly aligned for that project. No, um, those people are, those those places are 100% propaganda machines. <laughs> I mean, I am very proud to admit that even while Jon Stewart was still doing The Daily Show, I was watching it like about two or three years before he bailed and switch to like the blatant propaganda that it is like very naked i was watching it one day and i was like wait this is bad this is not good like this i don't <laughs> yeah. know what this is i don't know the name for this yet but this is not good and so it's like yeah those things are are they are deconstruction machines is what they ultimately are they they screw with meaning they screw with one's understanding of what is and is not authoritative in the news and then they you know, the jokes are, are a bit one-sided. They were less one-sided before. I mean, because it, it, there was something to calling Fox News bullshit mountain. Yeah, well, Stewart especially did. when they weren't part of the machine, right? Well, now they're the machine. They are the machine, yeah. I saw the funniest tweet. It said, uh, uh, kids that said, uh, kids nowadays, instead of rage against the machine, it's uh, rage for the machine. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're doing. And then like yeah. Nike's like, hey, let's make a deal. And Disney's like, hey, cap. <laughs> it's so, so true. Yeah, because yeah. you talked about the like hot take stuff where, and, which I sort of got, but the idea that like all of these kind of universities right now, all of those, all of those uh, places, they're they're essentially critical theory, which is just let's let's say what's wrong with everything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But isn't there? I guess the question is, I mean, obviously people like you have an underlying theory underneath, but isn't 
then making fun of their ideas, like kind of the same thing. Like, I guess what's the difference between the two? Yes. 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 And in fact, those original pesky postmodernists in the 1970s wrote that down. And then they said, oh, well, power oh, that's why eventually... we can't be criticized. <laughs> so, yeah, they wrote, well, no, they wrote down that eventually the power that is that gets overthrown gets replaced by a new power that now oh, okay. has to be the thing that's overthrown. So then you have these uh, activists march in in the late 80s and they're like, uh-uh, that is something only privileged people could say. That's a position of privilege. You can't tear down oppression. Uh, you only a privileged person could think that that, uh, that marginalized identities don't matter. So what they did is they made marginalized identities as they defined them, the permanently uncriticizable, right? Yeah. And you can't. It's like we could literally all be living in some dystopia where a tiny fraction of the angriest, meanest black people with thug boots stamping on our faces for eternity rules over us but they would say history of slavery and the books are cooked it can't change the the, the whole system is is white supremacist because it was built by white people who wanted to maintain their power and so they've made it so that it you can you can't flip it over right so yeah. in reality over here not in clown world in reality yes and that's why comedy will be their undoing and they don't they don't well, that's know why it because they people, don't know how to laugh. That's why those people don't understand comedy too. Like, and it, I mean, it, it's a lot of times comedy is just, a, you know, a microcosm of like what social dynamics are in natural life. But they go, you know, this idea of like power dynamics and stuff. Like, do you not understand that if you were talking to your dad, you might have a different power dynamic than you were talking to your thing? The same way that if I was doing a gay pride show and I showed up and it was a bunch of like angry gay guys, the power dynamic would be in their favor. Whereas, a you know, they no, like can't true. understand that power dynamics change from situation to situation the same way they do in real life. But so in comedy, they don't think that they have to change the power dynamics because they're always the oppressed one. But you go. No, like a lot of people times when you're saying the mainstream view of Hollywood, you're not the like oppressed opinion in this context. Right. So so people don't find it funny because there is actually a power dynamic element of comedy, but you just don't get what where you fit in it and you don't understand that it changes every second and every minute. That's 100% correct. Because uh, that, that paper we wrote about comedy, it worked because there's a point that it isn't actually funny to punch down. It's not funny to go take the dude in a wheelchair and make fun of him unless he's <laughs> no. trying to run over somebody because there's a power dynamic that prevents anything yeah. from coming back at him. And it's just hilarious, ridiculous behavior. So you can only actually make a, people laugh by poking upward. Well, I'll go something. one over that is a lot of times they don't realize it, sometimes if you made fun of that, if someone tells you, you better not say anything, and then you make a really mean joke about someone in a wheelchair, that person in the wheelchair wasn't the target. They were. That's so right. There's also that other element, too. Yeah, they totally don't get that. I mean, I got blown up for that the other day with some Kaepernick tweet. They're like, how dare you use woke language? to Would you say it's the like, N-word? No, I called him. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I mistakenly <laughs> called him white passing, and I should have said light skin privilege. I got my I got my colorism and my my passings mixed up in the heat of the moment because I just wanted to slam Cap so bad. What'd you say about him? I said, well, he's like, I'm proud to announce my deal with Disney, and I was like, I love money too, you white passing black man who's cashing in or something. Oh, they like didn't that. like that, huh? Oh, they were mad. Like they were like holding me up, but they weren't holding me up to burn me. They're holding me up to burn other people. They were like, this is the person that Bari Weiss said is a good voice. And so oh. they're like using me by proxy to destroy their their journalistic enemy that they wanted to take down. So it's like, <laughs> what a freaking game you idiots are playing. I see right through your trash. But the truth is that um, 
like I got this email from this guy the other day and I hope he hears this because it's like it was so annoying to answer the email he was like why did you use woke language like that and I was like I was mocking it and he was like I don't really understand that and it was like I was mocking his yeah, yeah, ideology stupid he wasn't the target of me calling that the whole movement I wasn't calling him that for any reason I, I don't care what color anybody is I was saying that because he's acting like this thing that he's doing is some nobility race thing. And it's like, he just cashed in on like a umpteen million dollar Disney deal <laughs> right? by using his skin color. And the fact of the matter is that his complexion, I mean, he clearly is of color as we have to say, but his complexion is fair enough where many people in the shape of his, his facial structures is such that most people, when he first broke onto the scene before he decided to grow a fro and show everybody what's going on, thought he might be middle Eastern. Nobody's quite sure he's got this, you know, I, I definitely would have thought maybe Middle Eastern. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. I, so it's like it, it, his, his skin tone. He's definitely not like, I mean, I think back to that, that, that movie with the, like, well, which one was it? Was it chasing Amy is one of those Jay and silent Bob movies where the okay. guys doing the racial, like angry talk and they have to disrupt it so they can pull some heist and they have the guy stand up and say, what's a Nubian and like everything <laughs> descends into mayhem. And so every time I start thinking about this, um, I remember that film, but uh, the 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 there's definitely something to the fact that he's actually got what they would call light skin privilege, and I chose the wrong word in the heat of the moment, so uh, white passing instead, instead of saying I guess Arab passing was what I should have said. Um, but the thing is, it's like I was mocking the fact that he's promoting an ideology that focuses on skin color all the time, but they couldn't figure out that he wasn't the target of the joke. Yeah, yeah. It's the culture itself. So it's all this stuff's like complicated and they want to put it in like a little simple box and you go, well, that's not, unfortunately, you know, how thousands and thousands of years of, you know, trying to attack these problems and still not solving them. You're like, guess what? We solved it in one little, uh, in, in four years of us being in charge, we cracked the whole thing down. That's right. And we did so by doing exactly the backwards thing. Who would have ever thought? And here's why that is. So if you read their literature, they're like, uh, science invented racism and you're like what the hell is that take some digging and you finally figure it out and um they, they say that well people started to say that you inherit your race from your parents which is true right yeah, that's true that, that is actually true you your ethnic group anyway that is largely inherited i guess that gets complicated as well but nevertheless there's something that's getting inherited like your skin color your hair texture that's all genes and so people in the 16th century started to figure it out. Then they came up with this idea, oh, this is why white people have figured out science. We're superior to all these stupid other people. And they actually invented social categories of race. They put social significance into them that white people good, black people bad. And they invented racism in the modern understanding of racism. Not that people weren't prejudiced before that. Obviously they were, but they invented yeah, but this they modern sort understanding. Of like, once it has a, a list of things, you can sort of feel comfortable being that. You're yeah. like, you have a doctrine that like allows you to be that now, right? Right. And so the core of that is social significance in, in identity categories. And so then we spend centuries after we invent liberalism, chipping away at that and we get rid of it. And we're like, no, you know what? Some people are gay, get over it. Some people are black. That's cool. Who cares? And everybody finally starts to get this kind of like colorblind, like, hey, cool, you're gay. Let's hang out, whatever. Who cares? Uh, you know, attitude toward identity. And then you have these hee-haws show up on the scene and they're like, radical activism requires us to put social significance back into these categories. And it's like, you just reinvented racism. You literally just reinvented racism and called it Dude. the cure. 
And then, then there's your hustle, right? It's like racism was on life support. And these dudes come along and they're like, we're going to focus on race all the time. It's like they're putting it, they're like, you know, pumping the iron lung for it to keep racism alive. So then they can say, look how much racism there is. Give us <laughs> money. Look how racist everybody is. Like stay alive, like doing CPR on racism. And they're like, they're an exterminator. So they're an exterminator that keeps putting roaches everywhere. <laughs> they are. It's like they're picking them out of their pockets and throwing them. Yeah. Like, Shh, spray them and like pick them out of their pocket and spray them. It's like, gosh, what, what a hustle. It's such a transparent hustle if you spend, you know, just a little bit of time looking at it. And then it's like every, every white person in society and now they got half the brown people like lining up to like cry, I am complicit too. And it's like, oh yeah. man, why are we such a guilty group of people well, especially when it starts to be like you know we're like okay women are a minority trans people like you know people of color anyone with a disability and you go isn't that 85 percent of the population and then you go <laughs> okay well wouldn't it if we just make it better for everyone and they go yeah well well but if a man moves forward and a woman moves forward did anyone really move forward they got that they say numbers don't matter People aren't minority groups. They're minoritized by the systems oh, of power. That's it's a like willful it. activity. And that, I mean, that's the thing. It's like everything's a fucking verb. Like gender is a verb. Yeah. Queer is a verb. Minoritize is a verb. I mean, that technically is a verb. But I saw the other day, we're thinking of mathematics as a verb. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I mean, I know what they're talking about, but that, how does anybody look at that and think, yeah, that's cool. What they're, what that means, by the way, is that it's a social process. Mathematics oh. is a social process that is being done by, by the powers that created it. And it's like, so we're going to think of mathematics as a verb. Like, it's like, man, why? What are, yeah. Why are so many people like, it's like, okay, so sometimes you go out and you see that dude or a person that could be anybody and like they're just wearing some stupid outfit and their hair is like just you know like they tried it's obvious that they tried their makeup <laughs> is like intensely wrong yeah something like that and it's like you look at that person and all you can do is like you know that person looked in the mirror before they walked out of the house and they said Nailed yes <laughs> yes and it's like that it's like all these people like line up with the stuff and they're like Yes. We're killing it. To, to like mathematics as a verb. And it's like, man, Neil deGrasse Tyson doesn't even say high time stuff like that. Well, they far. got praised. I think it's the same as like, you know, when I always say when it, whenever there's a guy with like a stupid hat and you're like, look at this, you're like, one girl told him that looks sick once. You know what I mean? That's what it is too. And it's some girl told him that it looks yeah, sick. Yeah. So with and them, they got praised for that. They said it once and someone was like, you know, nice opinion. And they're like, yeah, it was kind of a nice opinion. <laughs> well, well, that was really edgy. And, you know. Dude, I'm doing a video that's like kind of very similar. I almost wish I talked to you before I did it, but I already filmed it. But it's a. Uh, it's like a woke guy and a racist and they're like best friends and they have all the same opinions. Like race should be the most important thing. <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a Coke. And they're like, Oh, that's so good. We hate each other, but we actually agree on pretty much everything. That's so, so good. <laughs> that is so good. Man, do, do your videos are killer. I love them. I Thanks, absolutely buddy. love them. Oh yeah, that God. one's coming out Friday. But we, I, I, when we were doing it too, I was like chuckling and we made it like really like homoerotic. Like we're <laughs> blowing grass out of each other's hands. They just, they just can't get enough of each other. <laughs> <laughs> what did this guy Best do? We buddies. Go, uh, yeah, I was gonna. Uh, I was trying. To, I was trying to get segregation going forever. And what did my man do? And he's like, I mean, a a, a comedy show for black people and a comedy show for white people. Like, oh, segregates comedy on my birthday. That's <laughs> 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 oh, so good, man. That's gonna kill it. It's because it's tapped right into this nonsense. It's so funny. 
what did you think? Hey, do you know how like uh, um, with uh, the the stuff in the so okay with the stuff in the universities, it's one thing, but the stuff in business and tech and all that other stuff, where some of the you know the diversity initiatives and all that stuff are starting to get to the point where people are suing the other way, and I keep kind of like seeing inklings of that, but then I never I've never really actually seen a concise you know article or whatever on like here's the list of people that have sued who's one who's not so in your mind like is that happening a lot where you know guys get fired for being a man or whatever it is and then they sue and they win or how is that looking like or is there or the courts like social justice or what's your starting like, yeah no it's starting so the only thing that i know with any level of concreteness is the title nine issue in universities so i don't know it for sure in in, in corporations what's that? what does that mean so Title IX is the anti-discrimination title within civil rights legislation that was supposed to make it so that women have equal access to education. It's the one that has to do with, with sex. And okay. so it's got massively expanded and it's basically turned um, Title IX offices at universities into these kangaroo courts. So what would happen is some woman and some guy would hook up and they'd have sex or whatever. Or maybe they'd both be drunk and then the lady, the, the woman would regret it later and then say, oh, it's a rape. Or the, her friends would talk her into believing it was a rape, and then this guy gets pulled in front of you, raped. You made the, you you're accused of raping her. It's this weird, like not happening with the police, but happening in this weird internal kangaroo court thing. Ruining and the guy's then, life. Ruining the guy's life. They end up getting him expelled and dragging him through all this stuff. Accused of being a rapist and all this stuff. He has no legal recourse. He has no defense. It's like fifty percent, you know, standard of evidence instead of something you would use in criminal court for rape. And so then these guys, and it's not always guys, sometimes it's been women, um, have been suing in civil court. And from what I understand, they've won either every case or nearly every case, if you also count settling out of court for large settlements to be winning. Um, there was also a case with Oberlin where there was some business at Oberlin that uh, there's some black guy shoplifting and they like chased him down and stopped him or whatever. And then yeah. the university went berserk and was like, it's racist to like hold a black person accountable for stealing from you. <laughs> they're so, it's so obviously, uh, and they're the bad ones here where they're like, you can't, they're not, they don't know what they're doing. It's just so racist. I know. It's like the most, it's like, uh, you can't hold a black person accountable for stealing. They don't know that stealing's wrong. And it's like, we're not racist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I think that, I think that one went, I don't know for sure. That one may have went to court and, and, ended up in favor of the business yeah um, so the courts have not gone bonkers yet but it's looking a little scary i keep seeing stuff out of the government now they're like oh we need to turn everything to anti-racism and i'm like uh-oh like there's a guy on twitter that did a thing the at the, the treasury department it's like totally to i mean it's like language that even i see it i'm like whoa that's like on steroids and so um it's a bit scary this is the best because you go it's not enough to be, you know that it's not enough to be racist you got to be anti-racist i go what are you talking about? I go, I'm making videos and doing comedy. And you go, yeah, but those need to be anti-racist. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, like, <laughs> what, what are we talking? You're saying my comedy has to be fighting racism. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Insanity. Uh, yeah, everything has to. And then it's, so here's the problem with that too, is that I don't know if you know this, but it's very useful. Um, because of an idea in race theory, the critical race theory, they called interest convergence. If you do anything that's in your own benefit as a white person, then you committed an act of racism. So when they oh, tell nice. you, you have to be anti-racist and then you're yeah. like, I'll be anti-racist for you then, you've now done something to give yourself better standing. So you actually, <laughs> it was racist to become anti-racist. What if it benefits both of us? Like I have sex with a girl, but I let my black friend fuck her too. 
No, that, that, that's also interest convergence. It's got to oh, be. Shit. So the interests converge. You can't get away from uh, it. If you benefit at all. Okay. Yeah. Well, can I watch? No, I guess that would benefit me too. Fuck no, out. Yeah. You, only if it's really. Anymore. Yeah, that's society. right. There's nothing here. There's nothing for you. The society um, that we're living in. The, you uh, have to make your cuckoldry anti-racist. <laughs> how do you how do you make your cuckoldry anti-racist? I don't know, but I've never told anybody that we were going to write a paper for porn studies, the journal, the media studies journal <laughs> called porn one. studies that was explicitly about that. It was what about black say? a black cuckold porn, that it was um, a form of reinventing slavery image imagery <laughs> by by making black men the. Uh, images of black men as the the playthings but not husband material for uh rich middle-class white women but you didn't make that one Mm -mm. no we didn't write it we ran out of time and we we were a little bit scared to get too edgy at the time yeah yeah. we were like that one might be edgy for university guys yeah so we were like that one might go a little bit too far to to say that you know black on white cuckold porn is is reinventing themes of slavery now that i look back on it i'm like whoa that one would have just went right in the bucket man that would have been yeah, like shooting from half court and just like back over your head shot from half court and just swish <laughs> you haven't even like, finished it yeah it was one of the so things I, easy you were kind of talking about the black panther thing but because you were saying that you know they kind of this kind of came as woke diversity, but it wasn't really you know at the end of the day the message was something else, right? But I go, this is kind of one of the things I've been saying that yeah, because black like black shit doesn't converge with woke shit. Like all that woke stuff, you know, it, it, they just see it. Black guys see it like the same way that if I I'm Irish and if I watch a fight, I'm like yeah, fuck yeah, Conor McGregor. Like I'm just in it because he's Irish. I always go even the least racist person in the world. You see a short white guy dunking on a big black guy, you're like one for the good guys. <laughs> Like, everyone's got a little of that in them, right? So I think black guys are just like, fuck yeah, we got like a black movie. They just see it like that, right? And right. then woke people are like, yeah, we're taking stuff away from white people. But they don't really, I think that, so they tried to say like, right, we're on the same team. But you're like, well, yeah, but for way different reasons. And we kind of have different goals here. So it's right. like, they're just appropriating black shit, which is what their one of their main goals is. Because it's probably their strongest claim in the whole movement. Well, I mean, like the, the reality is basically anything they say is probably projection. So when they're like cultural appropriation is wrong, that's because they're culturally appropriating. I guarantee you that's why they, they're so against it. So there it is. It's like, wow, how can we turn black culture into a woke thing and make it all about yeah. us? And it, it, it's totally a thing. Um, That's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, it is. And, and you're right. There was like Black Panther, you know, of course, it's like, you know, here's this movie where the whole centerpiece is, you know, it's all like black actors. The whole centerpiece is like this, this you know, advanced black culture, all the strength and all this stuff. So it's really good. It's really good. And it's like, yeah, man, I can understand where there would even be like this strong feeling like, yeah, there's a movie for us. But then the, the woke people come in and they're like, this is like all the people right now they're like wanting to rename universities like wakanda <laughs> really <laughs> they're like wanting to make like wakanda hall at university it's 21 it's like, girl for politics for it's like it's all just 20 year old girl politics like i, I just I, i'm doing psych and so, so no political science and a psych major you know and i just finished my first semester of political science and i got all these opinions here's my essay on why we should rename the government wakanda <laughs> yeah we got to rename yale wakanda that would be hilarious <laughs> Yale was a slave owner, better rename it Wakanda. Yeah, it's like they would fall for that crap too. It's I seriously I do. I think Black Panther was a hoax on woke people because the people making it had to know that they were gonna go ape shit with it. And it's like exactly the opposite of their message. It's so true with like how what you're saying that like this stuff does just make everything more racist though, because even you know and and uh 
if you look at the fucking the Nick Cannon thing and 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 what he's saying about you know he's kind of pointing out the fact that the Jews you know run a disproportionate amount of everything and you go how do you not think this is going to get there it's like you've literally told everyone that all they have to do is think about race 24/7 all that matters is your race and you go white people run everything and they have the most power and it's like do you, and you expect everyone to not be kind of like, hey, there's kind of like one rung up that ladder if we want to get like, <laughs> real. And, and it's like the answer is like, you know, it is what it is. We don't need to think about this stuff nonstop. But it's it's uh, you can't tell people that they need to spend their entire life looking at race, but you can't recognize patterns unless they're in white people. And you go, what world like how well how much does you think that you've infected people's minds where they're not like thinking to any degree anymore? I think they think they've got it all the way, man. I think they think that they've got it. In fact, I think that, in fact, they are acting the way they're acting right now because they think they have that last inch more power than they actually do, and it might have end up being their undoing. So, they, I mean, I totally think that they think they have basically, as we were talking earlier, like infinite capital to keep pulling this. But at some point, something – it's like I wrote this thing, the, the woke breaking point. Yeah. Right. That there has to be this point. And I th- it's, the point of it was you should engage your friends and get them to identify their woke breaking point before they slip oh, past I, yeah, it. I heard you say that. That's like so smart. Yeah. What yeah. would, it's, you know, essentially like, what would it take to change your mind? You know? Yeah. Wh- where's, where's your last straw before Which is a good it negotiating happens. tactic for anything. Yeah. And so it's like, um, for a lot of people, whether they define it or not, it's only a matter of time with some of the insane stuff they're doing. I, yeah, like if they killed your mom, would that be enough? You know, right? You, yeah, if they should. So actually, I was talking to a family member, and his his point was basically like if they tried to burn down my house or attack me physically, and I'm like, well, I'm glad that, that nothing reasonable, short of physical violence against me or my property, would would change your mind. But at least there's something. <laughs> ah, that's good. Hey, you in the book that your new book is like how to how to have tough questions. That, that's what it's called. How right? to have impossible conversations. How to have yeah. impossible conversations. What do you think the most impossible conversation is right now? Still, is it race? Is it trans stuff? Like, what's what's the yeah. one? I mean, it's any of these like because there's like the identities, and then there's like the super identities. So what it's are the super any identities. Trans, indigenous. <laughs> okay. Uh, descendant of slavery, black. Okay. Uh, though there's like the super oppressed identities. Um. That's a good and, way to look at those identities and super identities. Did you like, did you uh, outline it like that in your book? No, I just thought of it just now. Oh, that's great. Uh, but the truth is like, we did read a ton of the negotiations literature to understand when we were writing that book. And one of the things, one of the books talks about this out of Harvard before it turned into a, a laughing stock um, is this idea that conversations always take place on up to three levels. And it, there's the factual level where we're just discussing what's really going on. They call it what happened level, but it's a factual level. Then there's an emotional level. And at the emotional level, that's like where your wife is pissed off at you. And like, you're trying to have a conversation and it's like, it's going nowhere, but okay. you're just finding the problems and everything you say, because the emotion isn't resolved. And then, so the point is like, when you go down a level, it's like, you can't go forward in the conversation until you resolve the problem on the deeper level. But then the deepest level is identity. So when you start uh, poking into something where somebody's made it a matter of their identity, if you start poking into something where they made it a matter of their identity and it's sensitive with an emotional aspect tied into it. It doesn't even have to be racial or whatever. It could be, yeah. you know, your job or anything too, right? Yeah, it, it could. could yeah. So yeah, totally. So anything where there's identity tied up in it, but then when you have this massive victimhood narrative that's equipped with this theory that can't ever be wrong by definition, 
those conversations are literally impossible. So people email me all the time. They're like, how do I talk to like my husband went nuts. These interracial couples email me all the time. Like usually the white partner of the interracial couple is emailing me and like, by a white dude. Well, yeah, they're like, (laughs) they're, they're like George Floyd got killed. And then my husband just went nuts or my wife just went nuts. And now I'm a racist. And I'm like, how we've been together 15 years. How can you think I'm a racist? And you're like, that's not long enough to know you well enough. Like saying vicious shit like that back and their marriages are splitting up and they're like, how do I talk to this person? And it's kind of like, you don't. You go, she's not crazy because she's black. She's crazy because she's a woman. You have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you to, to divert it to something else. No, no, no. It's not race. <laughs> it's your hormones. <laughs> we talked about your hormones yeah. today. So what no, my wife your... though is the best. Uh, my wife puts up with zero shit. So I was telling her one of these stories from somebody that emailed me like that, and I was like, I can tell you what I would say. And I was like, uh oh, because she got that like hormone look in her eyes, yeah. if we will. And she was like, you know, she flashed, and I'm like, oh no, here it comes. And she's like, I would tell that motherfucker that I am racist. That's right. I'm racist. You have 12 hours to make up your mind that this is bullshit or else we're going to see how racist I am when I divorce you. Bye. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) I'm like, just, okay, fine. You want to live that way? Right. We're done. Yeah. That's it. You cross the line. Yeah. You You don't know me after 15 years. Out of here. Yeah. Looking forward to your child support checks. Bye. But you, guys, like, you know what's true? You've been sort of like in the dealing with this and they've maybe never had that before. I remember the the first time anyone comes at you with these accusations, you're like, wait, what? What? Like yeah, that's the, right. the 10th time you're like, yeah, eat a dick. Like, yeah, you know exactly. I mean? It's And that's the game. It's like they come in and they blitz you and then you're like- You're on the defense. You're like backing up. Yeah, you're like, I'm ah, not, no, I'm not, I'm not a racist. No, ah. but you don't know what to do. My friends are and, black. You're like, oh, that makes you more racist. You're like, wow, okay. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. We're not allowed to have black friends anymore. Ah. Uh Yeah. So, yeah, but that is the thing. It's like they try to make you feel bad or they try to make you feel stupid. You don't even know the definition of racism. It changed. Hence, like, and you uh, go, yeah, I I was saying that to people. They go, it's the systematic thing or whatever, and it's only position of power. And you go, that's not in the dictionary. You go, well, we can't listen to dictionaries. Like, that's okay. Well, what do we? The dictionary is written by white people. (laughs) And you go, so you just make up your new definitions, and I'm stupid because I don't know them, even though they're not the real definitions. I go, what fantasy world are you living in, sister? (laughs) This is Alice in Wonderland, man. It's Humpty Dumpty. But you know what the answer to that is, right? What? You know how you actually deal with that once you realize what the yeah, game yeah, is? Yeah, what is the answer? It's the same thing you do with the kid in the wheelchair that's trying to like bang your shins. You just step to the side and push it over because you flank it. That's it. Yeah. So they're like, it's like okay, I was saying so yeah, earlier. If they were, if they, if that, if you were that husband and wife, and you were having that impossible conversation, like, what would your advice be? Like, how would you deal with that? I mean, if it was like actually, I, I think the emotion come would come in on both sides. Just to be honest about myself, like if I got called racist by my spouse, I think I'd just be like. Oh, we're at war. I see. <laughs> yeah, now you're racist against my own kids too, or whatever too. Right? Yeah, exactly. But but it is a matter of of trying to sidestep it. And so um, the way you sidestep it is you say, "All right, so you think I might be racist? Why don't you just start look me in the eye? Just start laying out how that goes. So trying to tell me how it goes, and uh, then you you have to be able. It's very like difficult. what is what is that like? Play that through to the end. What does it look like for us if I'm racist? Is that, what yeah. you, is that what you mean? Sure. Yeah. So, so yeah. Where are we going as a relationship? You know, give me examples of, of what looks like racism and why are you all of a sudden reading bad intent 
into like isn't us being a couple supposed to be about understanding one another rather than reading reading the worst motivations and you've really got to kind of try to like pull them out of that uh like okay so i'm racist now because i benefit from a system but because you're married to me don't you benefit from that system too so does that make you racist are we both racist together can we bond in our racism if you want to kind of go with a funny way but the point is actually yeah. pointing out those con- those contradictions because you have to deconstruct that thing Probably. or you can use my wife's my wife's approach is also the thing okay right? fine yeah because that's like step aside and knock it over it's like oh you think you're gonna bully me and there's no consequences well guess what there's consequences the other way make your make your bed go you know think it out like to not just be afraid of the of the label oh you think i'm racist yeah. is it gonna be more racist when i divorce you okay because i hear that too it's like i have this one woman that emailed me the other day and she's telling me and i she told me i could share this so i'm not like ratting people out but she's like Literally, she was like gang raped by black and maybe she says she doesn't know the identities, uh, mostly black, but at least maybe one Latino man at one point. And so she's trying to heal from this, going through therapy, PTSD, the whole thing. Right. And so she ends up citing at some point that what she needs is a black man as a therapist to confront that last hurdle. So her therapist is this black man and everything's been cool for like the last two years or something over two years that this guy's been her therapist. And they've had a great therapeutic relationship. They made a lot of progress and he understands the context. It's not like it's brand new. Like that's why he knows that's why she sought out a black, black male. And so all of a sudden George Floyd dies. And then, you know, they're talking about something about the, you know, the dip into the whole like rape thing. And, you know, I've had bad experiences with the black, with black men in the past, she says, and the guy's like, hold on. We need to talk about whiteness and systemic oppression. Like at the that therapist? moment, he's a, yeah, the therapist. For this. Yeah, she's pay, she's paying for this privilege. That's right. And it's like, um, you know, goes into the whole thing. And then she's so the, the point though is she's asking me, like, so if I decide I don't want him to be my therapist anymore, is that racist? Do I have to? Is that like if this guy who just did this to me, you know, does that make me racist to not want him as my therapist? Or am I trapped in this relationship now? And. Uh, that's the kind of thing is what the, what do you do with that? Well, yeah, you, what do you do? Or if it's you do what you have to do with yourself as an individual, and then you let people call you names. That's the only thing you can do. Right. And then you say, you, you try to hope that you can still appeal to reasonable people and say, this is the, this is the actual situation that was going on. And this is why I stepped aside. And if I'm racist for that, then I'm comfortable being racist and make them deal with the fact that they're making people comfortable with wearing that label, which yeah, I don't which think anybody true. wants to have happen. No, that is how you make people not racist is you yell at them and kick them out of society uh, where they're only accepted in the clan. <laughs> I know, exactly. It's like, I sit there and think about it all the time. It's like this cancel culture. So they're going after all these like elite guys that, that write stuff and they have like all these talents and all these huge connections they built over. Someone over like you, they've made career. an enemy of, you know, you wouldn't be, you but, know. Well, yeah, they cancel these people and it's like, so now they have a reason to hate you. They have nothing to protect. And they have time on their hands. Right. Like, what do you think is going to happen when enough of these people are bumped out of your your little Well, they want them to disappear, but unfortunately, they can't disappear. Yeah, they can't disappear people yet. 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 Uh, I did just see that in China. So, I mean, I saw something. You saw what in China? The people disappearing? I saw a video of loading those those Uyghur Muslims onto trains. Like, maybe they're just taking them to the shops. Is that really? I always get, like, conflicting things. So that's happening for real right now? I don't know. That's the thing is, who knows, right? It's hard to fucking figure out what's going on in that country. Who knows? Yeah, it's odd stuff is going on. But it's like I saw this little video clip, and I've already learned my lesson a few times. Don't just believe a video clip on the internet. But the idea that it's not impossible that people would get disappeared um, 
you know, oh, I he, think they make them disappear. Yeah, yeah. But people are going to get disappeared. The extent to which there's this like massive thing with Muslim, I, there might be. I don't know. I'm not that. They're not a big. Guy. They're not big fans of religion in the CCP. No, because they already have one. The, the the state. The state. That's right. Yeah. And yeah, so I don't want to disappear. <laughs> I don't think you're going to disappear. <laughs> James Lindsay, thanks so much for coming on, man. I'm a big fan. Your your appearances have been killer. All the stuff you did was amazing. So, thanks, man. Yeah, it was awesome to get to talk to you. So, this is James Lindsay. You can find him at what's your handle again? It's uh, Conceptual James. And your website? Newdiscourses.com. Newdiscourses.com. James Lindsay, everyone. Okay, thanks, buddy. Peace. That was the podcast. James Lindsay on the Boys Cast with Ryan Long. Patreon.com slash the Boys Cast. Make sure you check out that documentary if you haven't. And even cooler, at the end, uh, after we, were, we chatted for a bit after the interview, and he told me that, uh, that he sent Joe Rogan my videos, and he wrote back, ha, 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 and thought they were really, really funny. So a few people have already told me that. So it's cool to see things grow and things go around. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and peace.